Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. When they were satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. There is an old story of a farmer who was renowned for his high-quality corn, which often won a blue ribbon at the county fair. A newspaper reporter interviewed him to learn what made him a consistent winner, And he was surprised to hear the farmer say that he often would share seed corn with his neighbors. Now, how can you afford to do that, the reporter asked. Aren't you in competition with them for the blue ribbon each year? Well, of course I am, said the farmer, but you have to understand something essential about growing corn. The wind picks up pollen from the ripening corn and carries it from field to field. If my neighbors grow inferior corn, cross-pollination will steadily degrade the quality of my corn. And so the only way for me to grow really good corn is to help my neighbors do the same. So what I love about this little story is that it paints a picture of competition that is in stark contrast to how our world views competition, because in the world, we don't always see our welfare as being tied to the welfare of other people, because far too often in the world, competition makes the other an enemy to defeat, or it can lead to a view of the world where we believe that we have to struggle and fight for what we perceive to be limited resources. And that's why the most popular reality TV show of all time is not called Let's Hold Hands and Share Our Stuff. It is called Survivor. And the ingredients of the show are the ingredients of just about every reality TV show. You take a bunch of strangers, you put them in an isolated location, you explain the rules of the game and the prize at the end, which only one of them can have, and then we all sit back and eat popcorn as one by one they compete and are eliminated. Because in the modern world, this every man for himself mentality, where learning to be self-sufficient in a world of scarce resources is the goal, we've been conditioned to call this reality. And it is a reality that breeds fear and scarcity and competition and loneliness and violence and given enough time, despair. So in today's gospel, Jesus questions this so-called reality, and he takes dead aim at the way scarcity and fear have infected the heart of his disciples. There are 5,000 people and a limited supply of food. And so Jesus, knowing the miracle that he intends to work, Jesus asks Philip a question. So, 
where are we to get food to feed all of these people? Philip's response is realistic and makes perfect sense when seen through the lens of scarcity and struggle. Jesus, he quips, half a year's salary could not feed all these people. And on top of that, I'm not sure if you've noticed, Lord, but none of us actually have a job. We just wander around all day. Well, overhearing Philip, Andrew then chooses to chime in, probably to avoid the awkward silence that might follow this interaction. Well, there's a boy over here with some bread and some fish. And of course, by this point, Jesus is very eager to teach his disciples about the abundance that flows from the kingdom of God. And so he tells the people to sit down in the green grass. Now, just a little fun fact. In making the people sit down in the green grass before feeding them, Jesus is intentionally drawing to mind the first verse of Psalm 23, which says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, the point of today's gospel and the point of Psalm 23 are one and the same. Namely, that God's deepest desire is to feed God's people with food that God alone can provide and with food that will satisfy the deepest needs and desires of their soul. That is the point of today's gospel. It's not just that 5,000 people got a meal, but that 5,000 people were satisfied. And that there was such an abundance of food that 12 baskets were needed to gather the leftovers. It's a different reality. A different reality that Jesus shows us in today's gospel than the reality we call this world. And this reality we call the kingdom of God. And as Christians, we believe it is among us here and now. And in this kingdom that Jesus shows us today, each one is fed by the hand of God. Which means that the whole idea of self-sufficiency, at least when viewed from the perspective of the kingdom of God, it just does not make sense. Because here's the problem with self-sufficiency. Metaphorically speaking, we may learn to feed ourselves, but I'm sure by now you've probably realized that you cannot satisfy yourself. Because the human tendency, whenever we try to be self-sufficient, what we do is we end up taking a good thing that only God can provide, and we manufacture some cheap substitute. I mean, right, God wants to feed us with creative and meaningful work. We substitute success. God wants to feed us with intimacy. We substitute social media and we live our lives online. God wants to feed us with an inner spiritual authority. But human beings substitute power. 
think of it this way. We're kind of like people who need real butter, but who only know how to shop for margarine. Only God can feed and satisfy the deep hunger of our soul, but because receiving that food always comes at a price. Namely, we must part ways with that drive we have to be self-sufficient. But because having God feed us comes with the price, we're always looking to manufacture some substitute and we try to get the job done all by ourselves. There's a great little story about a kindergarten teacher who was observing her classroom of children while they were drawing, and she would occasionally walk around to see each child's artwork. As she got to one little girl who was working diligently, she asked the girl what she was painting. The girl replied, I am painting God. The teacher paused and said, but no one knows what God looks like. And without missing a beat, the little girl replied, well, I guess they will now. So one way of understanding Jesus' life and ministry is to see Jesus' life, all of his words, his actions, his miracles, is to see them as one big painting that reveals what the invisible God looks like. And the portrait that Jesus points to today is of a God who longs not just to feed God's people, but to satisfy the deepest cravings of their soul. And so here's the question I want to leave you with this morning. To what extent do you trust God to meet and satisfy your deepest needs? Another way of asking that question Where in your life are you stuck protecting resources that you see as both scarce and vital to your happiness? Maybe it's your money. And an act of faith would mean making a generous donation. Or maybe it's your reputation. And an act of faith would mean that you stop defending your self-image when it's threatened by others. But here's the thing. Whatever it is, right, whatever you come up with, the key is going to be surrendering the drive to win some arbitrary competition you think important, to surrender that drive to feed yourself and to be completely self-sufficient. Because here's the thing, I'm all about taking responsibility for our lives, but that's not what I mean by self-sufficiency. Because self-sufficiency is really just a form of spiritual amnesia. It happens only whenever we forget that we are creatures created by God who own nothing, who are do nothing, but who are nevertheless sustained moment by moment by the will and grace of a creator who alone can feed and satisfy the human soul. And if you are relatively new to the Episcopal Church, one thing you might notice about worship is that half of what we do is literally devoted to feeding you. You come forward, you receive a piece of bread, and you're told that this small piece of bread contains the whole body of Christ. 
and that it is capable of satisfying you and sustaining you if over time you commit yourself to eating this particular food in community with other Christians. Now, I am aware that you are worshiping from home this morning, and thus you will not physically receive communion. And so please understand, I offer this only as an illustration, because we're really a Eucharistic people, meaning that we believe that what happens to the bread in the Eucharist actually happens to us as well, that our life takes the same form as the Eucharist. Because four things happen to that Eucharistic bread. It is taken and then blessed, broken, and then given out. And what is Holy Communion but a prayer that those four things will also happen to us? that those four things would be true of our life as well. We want God to take us and bless us until we know that we are safe as God's beloved children and that we really don't have to provide for ourselves. But then we want God to break us, primarily of that drive to be self-sufficient, and as a people taken and blessed and broken, we then pray that God would give us out to the world, to our community, to other people, as we then become the living food that can nourish and sustain and satisfy other people and bring healing and love to this hurting world. This is how the kingdom of God works. It is a reality far different from what we see and know in our day-to-day -day lives, but it is a reality that we can increasingly learn not just to see, but also to taste. But of course, the first step is always trusting Jesus enough to sit down in the green grass as together we wait for our Lord to feed us. Amen.